recording is started. Ha-ha. Okay, uh, we're at episode 11 of season 10 of Mention and Dispatches. We brought back a couple of old friends from previous seasons. Uh, Grant from Pushing Cardboard is back. Grant, welcome back. Hey, glad to be here. And uh, and we got Mo from Mo's Game Table. Mo is back also. Howdy, Mo. Mo, did you double mute yourself? How's it going? There he is. All right. Mo, is this the first time no, you've been on this season? I'm not double muted. You're not double muted now. No, no, I was on. Uh, we were talking about uh, the sci-fi and space stuff. That's right. That's right. I know this is Grant's first time back this season. We had him last That's season mm-hmm. to talk about GMT, but this is the first time he came back this season because he's busy running his own podcast. Like he's he's got other stuff to do. He's a busy nice. guy. So I do want to mention. So as as we are recording this, they have only recently opened, so they should still be open by the time uh, this episode drops. But the Golden Geek Awards are out, and and Grant, if you would get pushing cardboard registered with Board Game Geek, I'd be happy to point people your way to go vote yeah, for you. I, I guess I um, should do that. I. I I never, I haven't done it for the, you know, the uh, year and a half that I've been doing this so far. I just, I couldn't figure out what the advantage of was for, for regi- even though I use the geek a lot, I just yeah. didn't know why I should register there and, and would I lose, would, I don't know, would I lose, lose streams to the geek that would otherwise I, I, show up somewhere else? So the, the streams get played, you, you can play the streams through the geek, but they also, um, there is a discussion area there associated with the, the podcast for folks that want to be able to discuss that may not do it somewhere else or may not want to register somewhere else. Uh, but also you can subscribe to the podcast there so you can get a notification when a new one pops up. Um, it's just another way to raise visibility is really the the key thing. I should, I should do it because I'm I'm at the geek all the time. I'm I'm one of those guys that prefers the geek to uh, on sim world just because uh, I like threaded conversations. <laughs> just for the interface, probably. <laughs> just for the interface. That's exactly it. I don't like having to yeah. go through fifteen hundred messages to find the one thing I'm yeah. looking for. But. Uh... Uh, it, it, while you're there hitting the Golden Geek Awards for whatever else it is you want to vote for, throw a nomination to to mention in dispatches for us, please. We're, there's a zero percent chance we will win because we don't have the word meeple in our name. You know, if we were if we were meepled in dispatches, we'd have a chance of winning, but but we're not. So we just, <laughs> the intersection on that list is very long. Right. That's where we want to get. The people section on that list is really long. I looked at it, it today. It is. It, it is ridiculous. And uh, and Mo, look, for some reason, they don't have web shows in there. There's no category for webcasts that I've seen. I don't think the web shows are, are rolled up in the podcast. But, I mean, damn, there's got to be something to recognize guys like you and Gary and everybody else that are doing all these shows, right? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I mean, this is, uh, you know, well, I mean, I guess they could be. But my thing is... Is just having people tune in and watch and enjoy the the banter back and forth and interacting with us is what makes it fun for me. I mean, this is uh, four years now we've been doing this and it's just been a blast. Uh, I've really had a great time. You get to know a lot of people online and you get to support each other because, you know, one of the things we, we got to do is support each other as best we can by listening and tuning in, things like that. So uh, yeah. definitely uh, best way to support people is just get in there and check out their shows, you know, check out Gary's show, check out Whiskey Charlie, check out uh, Grant's show as well. Uh, it, well, although his is a podcast, not a web show, right? I, I do a little of both. I I've got videos, but mostly a podcast. Yeah, because the podcast, that way we can get you on the geek and get some votes for you. Yeah. I always and, think uh, of these awards things mostly fulfilling what you're talking about, though, Mo. It's like, who who cares who wins? Really, it's just about, like, pumping up the pumping up the tires of everybody who's doing good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and 
in a case where you've got something like Board Game Geek that's doing these things, part of what we're trying to do with some of the war game folks in, in sort of, you know, pushing, you know, some some support across the world, because you can nominate up to 10 of the, 10 different podcasts. Um, it, it's trying to raise visibility of the the, the quality content that the wargaming folks are putting out uh, as much as anything else. Yeah, there's there's a thousand different people doing Meeple stuff, and that's great. Some of them are good. Some of them suck. And that's all BGG cares about is the meeples and cubes. (laughs) Yeah, largely, yes. But but two things are also true. One, the quality of content coming out of the wargaming world tends to be pretty good. Yeah. There's not a lot of crap coming out of out of the wargaming world. Not plenty of reasons for that. I like to think it's just because we're smarter than most gamers. And and so that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But but the other thing is it's a very similar argument to what you hear about origins. And Gary and I have talked about this. We talked about it on the, the Buckeye Game Fest podcast. Also, one of the big complaints you get out of places like board game geek and origins and some of the other large board game gatherings digital or otherwise is all yeah. oh, those guys don't care about war gamers well that's true but that's because the war gamers don't show up like they can afford to not care about the war gamers because they're not there if you want to be a part of the conversation and you want them to care about it you've got to be a meaningful presence for them to have to care about it and and at that point you sort of force their hand a little bit so i think part of what yeah, but bgg con has had war gaming area for years and it still doesn't it, it's not caught on yeah. Uh, over there. So I, it's never going to catch on. I'm not worried about it catching on. It's always going to yeah. be its own little niche group of people. And uh, that's because it's a smaller group of people that are interested in. Well, think about it. There's a small group of people that are interested in history to begin with and yeah. an even smaller yeah. group of people that are interested in the martial side of things when it comes to the warfare. So that's why it's always going to be a smaller group. When you look at the overall population of a country and you look at how many people actually serve, it's always very small. Yeah. Well, it would, it, it would just be nice to not be the leper colony, though. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, yeah. so uh, well, I don't if we act like one or we think we are, I definitely don't feel like a leprechaun. I love I love our brotherhood of uh, war gamers. I think it's great. I, I do, too. And I, I'm always ha- I'm always happier when I'm not in the mainstream. I mean, the mainstream, let's face it, they like the Spice Girls at one point. I can't trust them. So <laughs> it's better to be it's better to be in a little niche where, you know, things are a little more refined, you know, and, and uh, to that point. Not only did they like Spice Girls, but at some point, Millie Vanilli was a thing. That's right. So there That's you right. go. The uh, as you as you go hit the Golden Geek Awards and start looking at at folks to to check out or just other podcasts to even check out on your own. Harold Buchanan's been doing Harold on Games forever. Um, Keith uh, has has done Hexy Talk for for a while now. Um, you've got History on the Table is in there. Um, one of Mark Jackson the, War Games to Go. Yep, Mark Jackson's War Games to Go. One of the Dragoons was part of the Solosaurus team for a while. Um, so it's they're they're not just wargaming, they do wargaming amongst other things. Uh Liz Davidson's Beyond Solitaire does good stuff. Um, uh, so there's uh Wild Weasel, Space Biff. There's there's a handful of these things. I, I know does Zilla Blitz still have a podcast? I know he did at one point, didn't he? Video only, I think. He's video only. Okay. No yeah. dice, so, no glory. No dice, no glory. Yeah. So so there there are there are plenty of good uh, wargaming podcasts, and and there's a handful of them that I'm not sure, you know, like Grant, I'm not sure necessarily on the geek. I, is three moves ahead on the geek? Like I'm not sure. I don't know if two half. I think two half squads is, but I think it's been a while since they put anything out. Um, Advance after combat's been around forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so the you know look, we've been around for a while. It, hell, mentioning dispatches over 100 episodes at this point and we've only been going since late 2018 um you count previous podcasts and i'm somewhere over 200 250 episodes at this point of of podcasting stuff over the last eight nine years whatever it is so so we've been around for a while it'd be nice if, if damn we, you like to talk i do <laughs> 
<laughs> be nice when you get 250 to episodes. That's, that's just an accomplishment. That, that's just this. That, that's just the podcast. That doesn't count the radio stuff I used to. Yeah, do. exactly. So, um, all right. So, so go vote for stuff on the Golden Geek, uh, the Golden Geek Awards. Go get us some nominations. Uh, look, it's a two-step process. The first thing is they're going to get the nominations narrowed down, and then the second part is they're actually going to do the voting. The other, the other complaint you always get is looking at the war game categories. Plenty of folks going, "That's not a war game." Well, if you don't think it's a war game, go vote for something else. That's how you crowd those out. So, so if you don't think something is a war game, then then go vote for the ones that are, uh, and and you know, go vote for Salerno Forty Three for the war game the award, and that'll crowd something else out. You know, the, as an example, if that's the one you want to go support. What we were gathering this group together to talk about, uh, we're we're winding down this season. We've only got a couple episodes to go, so we're looking forward into summer convention season, lots of game season coming up. Uh, we've still got a whole lot of this year's releases out in front of us, and so we brought Grant and Mo in to talk about sort of what are you playing now, what are you excited about now, what are you looking forward to coming up? And so with all that in mind, Grant, what's on your table right now? Well, I know I'm about a year late to the table with this, but I... Fu- <laughs> I- it, well, it's about six months ago when I finally got a copy, but I finally started playing a most fearful sacrifice. Okay. And I'm just like, I'm, you know, I'd already been a big blind swords player. I played uh, three or four of those titles. Uh, so I'd been looking forward to this like you know for forever and i'd missed the kickstarter and then uh flying pig doesn't ship to canada so i had to find an american who'd sell me a coffee <laughs> managed to do that uh and now uh, oddly enough i've got my physical copy but i'm playing on on vassal uh, pbm on vassal and we're we played the first intro scenario where we're skipping ahead to something a little meatier and I'm just loving it. What a fantastic game. That's good. And the 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 game design is always pretty good, but look, Herman's a mensch, right? Herman's a great dude and it's always nice to be able to support a great guy when he's he's spitting games out also. So. Yeah, totally. And I had a few interactions with him talking about his Blind Swords game, so already I already, I could already see what kind of a decent guy he was. Uh, so it was like it was a no-brainer to to jump on trying this after everything I'd heard about it. And I was just so kicking myself that I'd missed the Kickstarter. I guess he's uh, he's got another one coming out. On on um, Chickamauga is it okay. is going to be the next one in this uh, Black Swan series. Uh, so I will definitely jump on the Kickstarter for that because with I guess, I guess it depends on who um, Blind or Flying Pig uses as their uh, fulfillment company for their Kickstarters. Okay. But if you if you're a Canadian or a European, you can successfully get them to ship on the Kickstarters. They just won't ship much out of the U.S. Uh, from their store there, from their web store. Pro- probably the difference between shipping in bulk to somebody else who's going to handle distribution versus yeah, the exactly. ones and twos. So, yeah. Mo, you guys have had Herman on Whiskey Charlie before, right? Yeah, we just had him on recently. Yeah, I, th- I thought so. That's that's what made me think of it. I, so, I yeah. heard him. He sounded yeah, great. I, I, I've seen Herman at conventions over the years, and, and he's always a great dude. He's always a fun guy to sit around and have a have a chat with um, mm-hmm. whether it's war game or anything else herman's just a nice guy so so we got most fierce a most fearful sacrifice on the table uh on the virtual table in this case um that that's the one with like the football field sized map though right yeah a football field size map and about the box is like about 40 pounds it feels like <laughs> Um, it's uh you can do all three days of Gettysburg basically with this thing if you want to go all out um 
we're taking it in small chunks. Yeah, yeah, Pro- probably not not a bad thing. Um, I'm going to come back around to some questions for you about a most fearful sacrifice a little later, or th- th- those games in general um, later in the show. But Mo, what's on your table right now? Well, right now I've been trying to catch up on some stuff that I have not been able to get to because I've been just tied up with uh, several projects and. Uh, I've been finishing up some videos. I've been editing some videos that I had in the can and I've just got done and uh, posting up online now. But on the table uh, right now, I've got uh, a couple of different ones. I've got 1914 Deluxe that just came out from War Diary. I'm going to be getting that on the table. I also have... Um, Masters announced that the day after we hit send on Tuesday Newsday. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that's just the way that timing worked out. <laughs> And uh, then I've got, uh, let's see, what do I got over here? Oh, yeah, I got, uh, I finally got the Mogan. I've been wanting to see what that game was about. Mm-hmm. That was on uh, White Dog Games. Uh, I saw it a few months ago, and I was like, oh, the Mog about Mogadishu. I definitely want to check that out. Um, what What's the game about? And on the website, it didn't say anything. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll just have to blind fire on this one and buy it, <laughs> which I did. And, you know, it's David Kershaw, so I know it was going to be pretty straightforward. Uh, pretty pretty easy game to play, and it looks like it is. Uh, I haven't gotten it on the table yet. Uh, I started to mess around with it the other night, but then I got sidetracked. Also have Men at War, the French Foreign Legion, which uh, okay. I got in, and that is uh, the second one. The first one was the Rhodesian Bush War. And then one that you might be interested in uh, was sent to me to review, and it's uh, completely off the beaten path. It is by Chris Zimmerman. It's called Enter the Labyrinth. It's a solitaire RPG, ah. kind of basically just... You roll and you see what's in the cavern ahead of you or the room ahead of you. And then you fight and you get gold, you get XP and you move on. And then uh, solitaire kind of thing. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. The original one that he had done was actually, which I thought was super cool. This one, you don't need it anymore, but I still kind of like the old school feel of it sitting down and literally with a piece of graph paper, drawing out your map as you go. Which I think is just super cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then I've got uh, Land and Freedom by Alex Knight, which is uh, an interesting strategy game on the uh, Spanish Civil War. So yeah, I, I got a copy of Land and Freedom when it first came out. We uh, we had it in Unboxing Day a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. I brought it to a few of the War Game Days here in town at, at Gamers Armory that we sponsor, and uh, and lots of folks are taking a look at it. It just keeps getting crowded out by something else that people had prearranged to play, um, and uh, and so everybody's interested in it. We've just got to actually make a commitment to get it on the schedule and say, okay, on this weekend, we're going to do this one. And, uh, yeah. And actually do it one of these days. Yeah. I had it on the table. I started messing around with it and then I got, uh, uh, sidetracked. We had several hockey games in a row. So I was like, Oh, you know, end of the season rush. They always squeeze a bunch of games in, uh, three and threes each week for a couple of weeks. And it's been, it's been tough. Uh, but now, regular season ends on Saturday and then we get into the postseason. So season may be over in a few weeks and then I'll have all my free time back. You guys aren't going to make the playoffs? No, we are. It's just that who knows? I mean, Idaho is in our division and Idaho has just been tearing it up this year. So uh, I, I, I don't know if anybody's going to be able to stop them. They're, they're just a really good team. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I I know you had the Rhodesia book because I think it was you that pointed me to it, that Mm -hmm. I ended up picking up the minute war, the Rhodesian Bush war is the French foreign legion one, the same system. It's same, same system. Yeah. It's going to be Indochina 46 to 54, the French foreign legion. And uh, I think he has made a couple different, uh, doing things a little bit differently in, in some sections. Uh, but uh, overall it's, it's the same system and he's going to be running with this for, uh, I think he's got another one coming out here pretty soon, which is good because then you buy one, then you already know the, 
the the meat of the game and then you can just get in there and see what changes are made and then go out there and have some fun with it yeah um two thoughts on on those games one he really needs a better graphic designer for some of the counter work and such um so i think that's I, part of the charm not, they're, they're functional but somebody that's not trying to cram every photoshop filter they ever learned onto a single <laughs> counter um but the other thing it, it, the first thing i did when you know after i'd flipped through the book and said all right let's get to play in this i went to the local copy shop and i blew everything up to you know where they it's like one inch counters and and two inch hexes and just made giant copies of everything and uh and so I've got them all here. They're all still, I've got the copies. They're all tucked in the book. I just need to take the afternoon and do the arts and crafts project and set it all together. Yeah, I did all that. So that way I can play it, which is what I did with the Rhodesian Bush War. And I've got the yeah. same here for uh, the French Foreign Legion. And when I was playing a Rhodesian one, I found that one of the things I didn't like about it, and I, and I talked to Joe about this, I says, it almost seems like the enemy in those, in most of those scenarios seems to be more speed bump than anything else. And I was like, maybe because there was one scenario I was playing where they're supposed to be, the terrorists are supposed to be attacking a farm. And uh, I think it's the uh, RLI, Rhodesian Line Infantry, is supposed to be running in and taking these guys out before they take out the farm. But all they do is sit there statically. And I was like, well, maybe as as you move each turn, they move one or two hexes towards the farm and then they start attacking. They, they hit on certain rolls. Yeah. And so that way there's there's a, a reason to press in really hard and fast yeah. for the player. And so and there's actually consequences for, you know, screwing around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a challenge in any solo game is providing sure. appropriate level of agency to the bot that's controlling your your op four there. Yeah. <laughs> Grant, besides the most fearful sacrifice, what else has come in lately that's that's caught your eye? Oh, well, um, I, I mean, I have a ton of games that I that I that are ongoing, but most of them are older. Um, but uh, I've been playing a lot of Task Force from VUCA okay. Games, yep. uh, and uh, I'm really enjoying that. That's like that's that's sort of like the game for um, if you take a look at GMT specific war and you just go there. There's no bloody way that like I'm never gonna. <laughs> tackle that monster but i really want to play some pacific war battles the uh, task force from vuca i think is is what's going to uh scratch that itch for you okay and then the the good thing for me i know we're not going to talk much about conventions but uh gmt west the spring one is coming up in a, a week and i'm going to go back there again so i'm going to get a chance to get a bunch of new stuff on the table down there like um uh we were totally going to talk conventions like that the summer well, convention season's coming up well, we're absolutely going to do it this is this is sort of like not the summer convention this is you know the gmt the gmt weekend in the warehouse is sort of like more like a, a high school reunion or something a college yeah. reunion than a than a real con you know but it's yeah. uh it's nice and relaxed that way you, there's no shark players or anything like that there's no <laughs> there's no uh tournaments generally i mean some guys yeah. have a uh um what's that the down in flames uh what or yeah. wild beyond or whatever it's called now they they play that all the time but to for the most part, it's just guys sitting around playing games and looking at demos and stuff like that. So I'm I'm totally looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, that you know that that's always the the convention season always does become a bit of a family reunion, no matter what the convention is. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's yeah. when you actually see everybody face to face. Yeah, yeah. So. and and uh, you know, the, even though it's a GMT, they're totally cool with you playing uh, uh, whoever's games. You know, like so, I'm gonna have a few Compass games with me when I go. And uh, I had a guy, an, an old friend who'd never played an Area Impulse game, uh, and uh, like I love Area Impulse games, so uh, I said, well, let's let's go right to the beginning 
beginning and let's play some uh, storm over Arnhem and uh, yeah. you know get you caught up and you you know you can see what uh, what the what the big deal was <laughs> 30 <laughs> years ago where where it all came from yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so literally on the table, I'm, I'm turning around to look at the table. Literally on the table right now, I have Margaret Thatcher's War from White Dog. It's a, it's a Ben Madison one. Um, I'm, I'm only a turn or so into it, just learning the sequence and the processes of how everything works. Um, I did play White Tribe, same designer, same publisher. Um, enjoyed that one, but found some of the, uh, the processes a little unnecessarily repetitive. I'm hoping that's not the case with this one because it, there aren't a lot of games on the Falklands. Um, this one tries to cover the broad scope of the Falklands. So I'm, I'm really interested in this one. Um, I'm young enough that the Falklands was like the first war that I actually paid attention to on TV uh, because just, just me growing up, I, I was a little young for, for Vietnam still being on TV, but the Falklands was, was out there and was something that was being reported on pretty regularly. So making me feel old, Brent. Sorry. <laughs> Mo will make us both feel old here in a few. So I remember WW1. <laughs> no i don't i'm not that old on, on my table behind me maybe you remember this mo uh i've got the latest game from compass on the war of 1812 nice how you like uh, it it's a uh, it's it's a it's an interesting take on it it's a 1812 war on the great lakes frontier and mm-hmm. the map is really interesting because it, it has all the great lakes and the rivers that connect them but just like a, kind of a strip of one hex around the lakes and around the rivers so it, it looks like it's going to really focus on the naval battles and even though there is uh, land units the whole land campaigns look to be completely secondary to the naval campaigns in this game yeah it, I'm, it uh, is called war on the great lakes i mean it's war on the great lakes frontier yes i wasn't expecting there to be land counters to, to tell you the truth but there they are you know like tecumseh's in there general brock's in there there's like you know it's, it's all there it's, i just can't wait to play it i'm going to take it with me for sure down to hanford well i'm hoping to um get with ken on that uh once everything's smoothed out with the um with the vassal module and then try to get a learn to play on that we've had a little delay on that we had a little delay on carrier battles as well but finally got that done and we had prelude to revolution done as well so dying to see carrier battles yeah i would i would check out the learn to play that we did uh that john does such a great job john southard is just amazing to listen to he gives great direction on the game and fits in smoothly so much historical information it's it's not funny The uh, the other stuff that I've got stacked up is a bunch of not particularly war game ish stuff. My Kickstarters finally came in for uh, Tiny Epic Vikings and City of the Great Machine, so I've got some got some non war game stuff piled up waiting to go. Also, um, well, I do have one Kickstarter that came in that is war gamey, and okay. it's uh, in country from Enemy oh, yeah. Spotted Studios. I got oh. that, so I haven't. Uh, I literally just got it, so uh, I have to open it up and check it out and everything. That's that's miniatures, just uh, tactical combat. Modern. Yeah, I've got a bunch of Nate's videos on it yeah and then i got the terrain with it as well so i got the whole smash so that's gonna be pretty neat yeah for, for those that don't know nate is the gimpy gamer so yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a regular on whiskey charlie mm-hmm. um, nate's actually local to me here yes <laughs> so i got a kickstarter as well that is war gaming for sure i got the uh the new version from gibson games of uh kingmaker oh i who somebody just recently had posted some video on that was it war game central um i mean there's lots out there already it might have been just a guard it might have been justin it's basically they've taken the you can they've taken it so and made it so you can play it completely the the way the the last version the avalon hill version was and then they've got another version that kind of speeds up the end game a little bit i think it makes it's 
it makes it a little less um, so that everybody sort of turtles and waits to whack one last guy. So uh, I, I think they're going to, I think they've done the best of both worlds with this uh, reissue. Mm. Kingmaker always, uh, it, it Kingmaker was decades before, but the end game of Kingmaker always sort of felt like the end of Return of the King, the last of the Lord of the Rings movies, where you think it's over and it goes on for like another 45 minutes. It was like the two, last two minutes of a basketball game. Yes. 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 The last two clock minutes of a basketball game, yeah. not the last two broadcast minutes. No, no. no. Yeah. That is, that is exactly the case. Um, that, that's how Kingmaker always kind of felt. So, and I think that's what, you know, that was a, what, what turned people off was the, they loved everything about it, but the finish. So yeah. to have come up with a new way to finish. It sounds like, okay, I mean, I'll check it out. And now I may actually check it out. Cause I've, I've always avoided that game because it just seemed like you said, everybody just turtles and gets in. I'm like, everybody just come on out and fight now. Let's just, let's yeah. just get this over with. No, no, I want a turtle. Oh, I'm out. I know, you guys I know. win. <laughs> and there's, and there's so much fun in that box, right? There's, there's all those heraldic uh, sh shields and stuff, like all those symbols and stuff. Like it j you just don't put it all in a stack. Get it all out there where you can see it. Yeah. yeah. I, I imagine, so Kingmaker is only, th there's going to be a limited audience for Kingmaker, right? There, there's only so many people that are going to go, yeah, give me that. I want to play it. If you took the exact same system, the exact same rules mechanic and put it in the Game of Thrones universe, you'd sell a million copies. Yeah. yeah IP yeah. definitely sells. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Would. I just pulled up my, uh, my Kickstarter list just to see where i am and 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 it is remarkably non-wargamey oh <laughs> battle of brandywine i already got in from uh from from bill molyneux um you know looking through here though tiny epic vikings is probably the next most wargamey thing i've got in here because i've got a whole bunch of rpg stuff is what i is, is what i've got stacked up on on kickstarter i've got um the stuff from Misadventure Games. I've got uh, Realms of Ahrun coming in. Uh, River Wilds coming in. Uh, Hithabu Tribes of the North is coming in. So it's it's a bunch of RPG and RPG adjacent stuff that I've got on Kickstarter. But I, I was thinking about this when I was talking with somebody the other day, talking about pre-order stuff. A bunch of the war game stuff that I end up pre-ordering, I will pre-order through Gamers Armory because I want to help the store out. And so I, I'll end up doing a bunch of stuff with them. A bunch of the other war game stuff, I end up getting sent to me anyway. You know, I get I get folks saying, "Hey, we've got this. Who want you know? Where should we send it?" And some of it I'll have sent to me. Some of it I'll have sent to some of our other writers. But but there's a bunch of war game stuff that gets sent to us anyway because we're covering it. So I end up not spending as much on war games as I probably otherwise would. That's um, a really good way to try and cover up all that RPG stuff when this is supposed to be a war gaming <laughs> podcast. Dude, it, so my BB Mike and I have talked about this plenty of times in the past in terms of pure product count. I have probably four times as much RPG stuff in my in my office <laughs> as I do war games. Part of the reason for that is an RPG module or rule book takes up one tenth the space of a boxed war game. Yeah, that's um, true. At, one of the other reasons for it is I played a lot of RPG stuff growing up and still have a lot of it here, but the, um, I, I think I tend to cull my war game collection, um, a little more frequently than my RPG collection. Cause they do take up more space. And so I will, I will find stuff to go to some of the other war gamers. Hey, who, who wants this one, especially if they were review copies that got sent to me, I, I'm, I'm finding a good home for that. Right. Who wants yeah, to this one here? Have it, go play, have fun with it. Um, or we end up putting them in the prize pile at origins and, and, uh, and sending them off in raffles. Uh, well, I do have a couple on GameFound that I'm waiting on. Uh, World of War 85 Blood and Fury. I got that one on GameFound. And then I have uh, another one that's not a war game, but there is fighting. 
and that is the update pack for Trickshot for the second edition, which is, okay. it's a pretty fun game. If you've not played it, it's a pretty fun game. Have you seen it? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's the tabletop hockey game. Ah, that would be- <laughs> it, it has little miniatures and everything. It is really cool, and it's a fun game. <laughs> nice. We could totally take a left turn into talking hockey and like hit half the audience. What's left of the audience to tune out? Grant doesn't want to talk hockey because the flames imploded this year. That's right. They're just officially uh, knocked out of the playoffs last night. (laughs) Our our window shut with a stupid shootout loss last night. So no, it's a, it's a lovely, it's a good time of year for baseball. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Do do y'all still have the cannons in town up there? No, no, we don't. We lost them couple of decades ago it's too bad okay it was, uh, it was it was a sweet time when we uh had guys like danny tartable and uh ken griffey jr coming through our triple a <laughs> stop i am i'm equidistant driving between the durham bulls and the carolina mudcats so i've got ah, sweet. Triple a and single a and uh and the bulls still have they're, they're in a new park from when they were in the movie but they still have the hit bull win stake sign out and let out out in right field so <laughs> It's still there. Um, so, so in in terms of Kickstarter's pre-orders and such, mine's not very wargamey, but I do have We Are Coming Nineveh on pre-order with uh, with Gamers Armory, and I also have uh, Brief Border Wars Two. They know that I'm going to want that one as soon as that solicitation shows up. I've got that one too. Yeah, I'm I'm going to get that one through the store, and uh, and so there's there you know again trying to support the local game store for everything they do for us. I'm, I'm wanting there's to a new i have one from a new one coming from phalanx and i can't remember even what it is all i know is i've got it's a purple haze purple haze or coalitions no it's uh i think it's on like the med front of world war ii maybe hmm. I, you know who knows i mean song four was on kickstarter and that that was one that i was very much looking forward to and not enough of you mooks backed it so it didn't make its not its number i know it's that whole thing about the italian aircraft carriers like I, Just, yeah, you know, get over it. It was fun. <laughs> Italian aircraft carriers. Yeah. So, so Song for War um, is. It looked like it looked a lot like Advanced Axis and Allies. Yeah, that it, it does look like that because it's it's got area movement and minis, and somebody goes, "Oh, look, it's Axis and Allies." First of all, it doesn't have that many minis. Most of the counters are silk screened counters. Um, on on uh, Mo's gonna laugh. They're on wood, but they're not wood blocks. They're flat wood two-sided silk screen counters um but but folks see area movement and funky dice and go oh it's actually it, it does not play like axis and allies there, there there is a little bit of a reinforcement schedule to it all but the the tactical depth you have to pay attention to in the way that you sequence what you fight is much deeper it's it's not i say the tactical it's more operational um the way in which you integrate your combined arms between your air and naval and ground really matters hmm. And how they support each other as you roll into your different battles really makes a difference because the combat sequence, the way certain things repeat, if you can get certain kinds of um, certain kinds of assets, whether they're fighter bombers or whether they're certain kinds of artillery supporting certain battles, you actually roll those guys to attack multiple times in a single battle. And and so the way in which you sequence and put those battles together really makes a difference. And and yes, there's going to be some ahistorical bits to it. It, again, trying to keep things balanced so that you can play with four players and have all four have reasonably interesting things to do. The Italians aren't just the little brother sidekick that shows up for the Germans. They, the, the Italians 
are a little stronger than they would have been historically so that they're an equal partner on the table. Uh, I, the, I mean, the, the four player thing interests me less because I, I have enough trouble getting two players to play. <laughs> but the the uh, ahistorical thing doesn't really bug me too much. I mean, I've become a real big fan of, uh, of the Undaunted series. Yeah. And even and that game has almost no distinction between what's a what's a German and what's an American, right? It's like yeah. it, it, it's it's all it, it, the the units are or the scenarios are asymmetric, but the unit capabilities are completely symmetric. And yet that game is just tons of fun to play. And I, I yeah. sort of feel like uh, Song of War, it's the same thing. It's it's not so much about the history, but about the setting and the and yeah. the gameplay. That that's very much what it is because all, all for the, the, the US, Brits, Germans, and Italians all have the ability to put an aircraft carrier on the map somewhere and, and help extend the range of their air units. Um the the there's hidden fleet movement, there's each of the each of the sides does have some special unique production capabilities. So the uh, the the Brits get an upgunned battleship. The Americans get you know an upgunned by the Germans get the get the Panthers there. They get the get the high powered Panzers. Um, I don't think it's Panthers. I think it's Tigers in the in the game is is how they build them. So everybody gets gets their their unique overpowered unit. Um, but Let's again. It's a lot of fun to play that that feels appropriate for the setting. And one of the cool things, you, know, you, you mentioned the uh, task force from VUCA earlier. One of the things that I liked about Song for War that I imagine is similarly true of task force is you're, you're operating air and land and sea. You, you're integrating it all as a part of a cohesive whole fight. It's not just ground combat. It's not just naval combat. And uh, that should warm Mo the Marine's heart right there, right? <laughs> you got <laughs> to integrate the whole MAGTAF. Um, oh yeah yeah that's how you do it task force is is great for that i mean it's not like the the naval engagements without carriers are fun and then you throw in the carriers and all that air and oh man and it's quick you know it's like it's 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 not as light as beer and pretzels but it's uh it doesn't once you grok how the damage system works you're just off to the races yeah that's one of the reasons i was interested in in trying uh, the the Falklands game from White Dog is that it it does give you air and land and sea that you've got it and, and a lot of the Falklands people don't realize how much of that conflict was fought in the air um, that there was a, a significant air component to it far more than than any pitched naval battles and by the time the Brits were on the ground it was you know as as long as they didn't get rained out they were going to win most of the ground fights. So. I remember a lot of photos and video of uh, uh, attack helicopters in that. Uh, uh, the, the, a lot of Brit fighter pilots were actually helicopter pilots. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a lot of Harriers in there on the on the side of the Brits because of the two the two Harrier based aircraft carriers they sent. Aircraft carriers, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, so let's. Uh, Let's roll the calendar forward here a little bit. Mo, what is coming up? Uh, we, we mentioned a couple of the pre-order things that we've been looking at, or P500s. What's stuff that's coming up that, that you're looking forward to showing up on your doorstep and, and getting on your table? Well, hopefully this year we'll see Aaron Armour and Next War Iran. Uh, 85 Afghanistan okay. is another one. Um, is that going to make it out by the end of the year? Because, I mean, they're still in Kickstarter right now, aren't they? No, they're out. It's they're, out of Kickstarter. Okay. That's why I'm it's hoping maybe this year. If not, it'll be early next year. Yeah. Um, Atlantic Sentinels uh, Sentinels is another one. That's a solitaire game. 
where you're protecting the convoys, but at the same time, it can integrate with the hunters. So I think okay. that's kind of neat that you can integrate two solitaire games together. I think that should be pretty fun. Um, and then something completely different, uh, Mr. President, because that thing's been on P500 forever. <laughs> and uh, it's supposed to be released this year, I think. And I've been curious about this one because of the subject matter alone. I mean, being the president of the United States, I think is pretty interesting. Uh, and it's a, it's a pretty daunting task i think for a game but if i think you can pull it off if you see that on the table it is huge yeah it is huge it's, it's just like i don't know you need a you need a bit i i just think you need a default whatever table you have you probably need a bigger one that's yeah i mean that's a kind of game that you can't put that on the table take it off because it's going to be you're going to have to put that on the table and it's going to have to sit there for a while because you're going to have to grok the game and then play it. And then, okay, now I've played it enough to start to grok the mechanics. And now I got to restart so I can try to actually play the game, you this know? Is, so th this is the unintentional advertisement for Carolina game tables, because they've got the <laughs> sunken play area underneath the dining room table that you can put the lid back on. And, uh, and, and that way you can leave the game set up and not lose your dining room table. There so you go. For, for folks that don't know. So there, there are a bunch of different table companies out there that do stuff. Carolina Game Tables, the family that runs it, has actually been in the furniture business for four or five generations. So, I mean, they, they go back to the 1800s in terms of being furniture makers, and they started doing uh gaming based furniture about a decade ago um but but one of their key shticks is a bunch of their tables have those removable tops so you have the well that you can kind of play in yeah. and still put the top back over it and have your coffee table or your dining room table back as yeah. long as nobody bumps the table yeah. and tumbles all your stacks where you it, don't it, have cats i think you're probably pretty good those things are pretty solid yeah, they, they do look – I've seen pictures. They do look solid. Yeah. Uh, they, we, we've got pictures from Origins last year of Clint sitting on one. You know, I mean, he's just kind of sitting there having a conversation with folks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the unintentional advertisement for Carolina Game Tables, but always happy to give them a plug. They're great people. There you go. Are, are wonderful folks. So, um, Grant, what's what's in the future that you're looking forward to? Well, so I got a couple of things that I'm excited about at going down to GMT West. One is um, – I'm going to, I'm going to interview Jerry White, uh, there for the podcast because he's going to be demo demoing, uh, Pacific chase his follow up after Atlantic chase and Atlantic chase was just like such a revelation to so many people. The whole, that whole trajectory thing, uh, yeah. was like just this new mechanic that blew people's socks off. And then his rule book presentation, it was like, Oh my God, this is like the best rule book I've read in 10 years. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's saying something. So I, I look forward to seeing what Pacific chase looks like. Uh, I don't know how that system's going to work in a, in a theater that is largely dominated by carriers, that's a, a whole different uh, a, a whole different style of naval operations. But you know, this is, he knocked our socks off with uh, Atlantic Chase. So um, who knows what he's got? Doubt, huh? Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm. He, I I do like uh, Mo said. I'd buy that uh, sight unseen. Yeah. Let, let, let's face it. The real reason you're looking forward to, to going back to GMT is that uh, you're looking forward to not paying shipping to Canada to take the games home. <laughs> That's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely helpful. You're gonna you're gonna go home on just your back two wheels because the trunk is so. Yeah, the trunk will be full. Yeah. Also, they always uh, the last 
last day they always uh, have a, a game sale out of the warehouse so uh, that's always uh, you know you sit not say you don't just save shipping you save some bucks on games but you know that said after you've been in a war gamer for a while you have a lot of uh, a big company like them I, I have a lot of their catalog already yeah. on my shelves so uh it's not like i can go through their back catalog and find a ton of stuff that i uh that i still need yeah yeah that was one of the challenges i had the last time gmt had a big sale was going through there and and a bunch of the stuff that i want was stuff they didn't have in stock which meant that it wasn't on sale exactly and, and so i'm looking at it and I go, oh, i'd really like oh, damn oh you know i'd really like <laughs> you know so yeah the, i mean the upside is they do reprint it uh, whereas this with mmp who i buy a fair bit of stuff from i feel like i gotta get it while it's hot because yeah. it'll be out of print for years and years if it ever gets reprinted i hope you've got storm over jerusalem on pre-order because uh that's the next one supposed to show yeah. up yeah i don't <laughs> i don't because the subject didn't quite uh, tickle me but i might regret that one well you were talking area impulse stuff i know i know you know i never mmp had the storm over stalingrad game area impulse game and i'm I, that game it's it's my least favorite of all those area impulse games on Stalingrad. Uh, Turning Point Stalingrad I far prefer, and uh, Mike Ranella's Stalingrad Verdun on the Volga as well as they're, they're both fantastic. The uh, I don't know, something, I, I don't know, maybe I should go back and play it. I still have it. I haven't sold it on. I should check it out. But the it, the, the, the MMP one, there's just not enough areas on the map. They've, they've, they've taken Stalingrad and instead of like about 60 areas that made it into about 25 or 30. So it just doesn't feel like there's the same amount of room to maneuver and wiggle around and uh, mess the other guy up the, as the other games in the, uh, on a similar topic. So it feels like you're under siege and being constrained. Yeah. I mean, that's all good. <laughs> but uh, I like to be under siege. And if, even if I'm besieging, I want to, I want a little bit of wiggle room. Yeah. comes the 10th season of the Armchair Dragoons podcast, mentioned in Dispatches. Let's thank all of our Patreon supporters who pledged at the top level. A huge thank you to Staggerwing, Martok, Patrick Geraghty, Fred and his dog, Mike Quigley, Joseph Knorr, Treb Corey, Robert, Patrick Mullen, Kevin Bertram, Chet Bell and Hellcat6 for their support of the Armchair Dragoons in helping us to bring you the best strategy gaming content on the web. You too can sign up as a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash armchairdragoons. Is there something out there that everybody else is all gaga about that you're just kind of shrugging and going, yeah, whenever I, I might get to it. I might not. Any, well, any, anything that everybody else is all hot for that, that you're perfectly fine letting it pass, pass you by. That could be storm over Jerusalem. Could be storm over That's Jerusalem. It. Yeah, that could be the one. Yeah. I'm not yeah, sure. For me, there's about a half a dozen Napoleonic games that are all everybody's waiting with bated breath. And I'm just it's Napoleon, man. It is only so much I care. You don't love Napoleonics? I am not a big Napoleonic gamer, and, and it's it's been the source of, of much, you know, much much heckling with the rest of the dragoons who are all very heavy into the Napoleonics. Hey, look, we got Ozarski running Saturday night fights. I was gonna say, has Jim ever played a Napoleonic game? <laughs> that he didn't like 
and 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 the thing so i've i've jumped into several of the napoleonic games on um on saturday night fights you know i've also played what a tanker with them but you know i i've i've played some uh i i played an austerlitz one and jim's son whipped my ass and it's it 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 was a very funny moment jim's son always manages to roll the perfect dice for whatever he needs um i i don't mind playing them as a social thing but it's not something that i'm going to go out of my way to to load up on it's just not a period that overly interests me that one and american civil war i'm just they, they're so incredibly overdone i'm just burned out on them i'm, I'm good i don't need any more so I came to the civil war stuff late maybe because i'm a canadian and you know it wasn't uh didn't learn all that much about it in history in school and stuff and then once i got into it man i've just become like obsessed with u.s yeah. civil war games so, so when i said we were going to come back to that you brought it up so yeah it, well, you know here, here's another uh, along the same line also at gmt west um Steve Carey is going to be there with his latest Blind Swords design. He the, he designed a, a Greater Victory that's uh, South Mountain, the one that's uh, mm-hmm. sort of the latest one in the Blind Sword series. And then there's going to be somebody else who's got one, I think it's Aeryville. And then the next one will be Steve's next design, which is the first day of Shiloh. And he's going to have that at GMT West. And I'm going to I'm going to have a like a playtest copy of it or a playtest go at it at the yeah. convention. I, I look forward to that because I just love those Blind Swords games. So so Mo may have a similar thought here um, to, to me. Without straying any, in, in, into any sort of political discussion, if you can help, I, I get why Americans are interested in the American Civil War. Why would a Canadian be all that interested? In, it, it, I ask the same thing of my, you know, my, my British friends. Like, why the hell would you guys care about American Civil War stuff? Like, I, I get why we would care. I'm just sort of curious. Well, it helps us understand why you're so messed up. Well, it, you got a lot for, you got a lot more to study than just that. But, well, well I mean, it's not it's not the only thing we study. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, as a Canadian, also, you know, if if America has indigestion, we feel it. Yeah. You know, like we're we're like the mouse living next door to the elephant. If you fart, we smell it. So you're the stomach of America, is what you're saying? Yeah, sort of, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at it from um, a, a war gamer standpoint or a strategy gamer standpoint, Unhappy King Charles is a popular game. Love that, that game. That is the English Civil War, and yeah. Americans play that too. So I think it just comes down to the conflict. I've never been an ACW fan. Uh, it's uh, it's it's not that I'm against them. I just it doesn't really do much for me. Um, although I have to say, uh, a most fearful sacrifice. I, I messed around with that. When I did the preview, um, played around with it enough to know that that system was really cool, and I would definitely play that uh, game because just because of the way it, it's executed, I think it would be really cool to to play that. Yeah, um, good, good mechanic. Good mechanics yeah. throw me into just about any period that. I wasn't otherwise like I'm not a big ancient guy, but mm-hmm. if you give me a game that's got really cool mechanics that's set in the ancient period, I'll definitely jump in and play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I'm the same way, and uh, I, I just don't. Uh, I know a lot of people love the American Civil War and you know that whole that whole era for wargaming. I, I think it's similar to the people who like Napoleonics. You're either into that or you're not. I'm, I tend to be more modern, you know, focused and and. Uh, you know, World War Two to yeah, not just tanks, but just uh, <laughs> modern. I like more modern. I like things that are more near, uh, either near to today's date or in the near future. That's to where my mm-hmm. interest is really more at. I'm right there with you, man. Mm-hmm. It, 
for for me, a lot of the interest was the military that I grew up in yeah. and that I served in and that I continue to to sort of work along with in some cases. Um, that that's the military that I know best, and that's the one that I kind of would want to exercise on the map, right? That's that's the yeah. one that I want. It, well, it, I, it, I think the other thing that's interesting too is there's a lot of because I love the hypothetical World War Three stuff that we're getting now. We're getting so much of it; it's awesome. I'm in all of my glory right now. I think it's great, <laughs> but at the same time, there's a lot of people saying. Well, you know, the, the Soviets were never that good. And, and they're, of course, they're pointing to the Ukraine-Russia war. It's like, no, no, totally different time frames. Let's not even go there. But yeah. besides that, uh, you can still argue over the the validity of um, the effectiveness of the Soviet military at the time. Uh, but when it comes to the near future stuff now, like the next war series and all, in 10, 20 years, we'll be looking back going, wow, they were way off. Or, well, there he was really, he was close to being on, you know. But then again, even that stuff is changing because now the Marines have to be totally changed in the next war because of the MLR. They took armor out, now it's the MLR. So that changes that functionality in the game. And then how does that break any sort of game balance that he has in there yeah yeah that's i, I think it's uh, it, the fact that you both served probably is a, a lot of the reason why you're both interested in cold war gone hot or or current current or slightly future stuff mm -hmm. right it's like yeah. you, you have real direct uh, relationship to strategy and tactics that are being explored in those games well but even before i was in part of my youth growing up i was living in germany in the 80s in the 70s and 80s with with my father being in the military and so you know cold war got, gone hot we sort of look at in, in in you know in the rearview mirror and go man i'm glad that never happened but when some of those games were being designed in the 70s and 80s and were near future they were god i hope this stays hypothetical but they were they were a very real world sort of thing that we were all kind of waiting to happen eventually and and that was one of the cool things about it quite frankly was was some of the maps right you open up the map you try to find the hex you live in yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know it sounds a little goofy like that's not something that's going to happen today you know living here in the u.s it's it's unlikely there's you know that the mo's opening a map on trying to find dallas in there you know unless he's unless he's playing case geld or you know the the 2040 American insurrection game coming up. That's yeah. coming up. Yeah. yeah, you're 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 not really looking for your house now on the but but there were plenty of times, you know, when we lived near Geeson or when we lived down in in Bavaria that, you know, I'm pulling out the map and, you know, hey, I wonder where we live. Oh, hey, there we are. Hex 2602. That's our house. You know, mm -hmm. no, I, I think that's cool. And also just I like to see what the designers takes are on um, not only our force capabilities, but on the near peers and peers, because mm -hmm. I think there is uh, I, I think there is a little bit of a, a, a reliance on stats for both uh, too heavily rather than actually right. looking at the effectiveness because uh, there's a lot of, you know, pumping up the, the, the Chinese threat uh, maybe even bigger than it, than it really is just like we did with the Soviets during the, during the cold war. And, and, you know, okay, in the end, are they really, uh, is China really that much of a threat or are they really a paper dragon? By, uh, by the same token, managing the defense budget or not. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. And then by the same token, is our force effective anymore? Is it, is it, you know, is it a, as effective as it once was? Uh, and going forward, will it maintain its effectiveness? Cause we just come out of 20 years of war uh, in Afghanistan, Iraq, but a lot of those guys are gone. And now we have new leadership. We have a new force and, you know, we've got ships running into each other, subs running into undersea mountains and things like that. So you start, you start going, how effective is our force? So, I mean, those are valid questions to ask. And it's an ever been such, right. It's like, sure. uh, before, 
before Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, there was the thought that the, the, the American thought about Japanese soldiers was that they were weak little men, that they were they were going to be terrible. Then they mm-hmm. then there was the first ground campaigns, and all of a sudden they thought that they were supermen. And then once the Americans managed to defeat them in a ground campaign, it was like, oh no, they're men. They're like, yeah. you know, so that it, like it, it's when the it's when the bullets fly and the boots are on the ground that you. You actually get the you get to get the real answers to these questions, right? You know, Mo, you mentioned the uh, what what the near future is going to look like, and and rearranging some of the Marine organization. Um, do you have Littoral Commander on pre-order? Do you have a copy coming? I'm I'm going to get a copy when it's available. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I've got my pre-order coming. I'm actually, I, I'm, uh, I've been corresponding with Jim Deeds. I, I may pick mine up from him at Gamma Expo, and so I may have it by the time I get back to Buckeye Game Fest. Nice. So, uh, so try to have it there. It, first of all, it saves him a little bit of shipping. It means I got to schlep it around for an extra couple of days, but I'm willing to look with <laughs> that to get it a little faster. Um, so, we, some folks have heard me mention this on previous podcasts. The the dragoons are actually going to be doing coverage from Gamma Expo as people are hearing this podcast. It's it's only a day or so away we got selected for the hosted media program at gamma expo and uh and so you your fancy pants they're they're covering our hotel bill so yes i will go to reno and cover the show um yeah i you know i i've joked before i what I don't know is if like two people applied for this and so they just said, okay, fine, take them both. Or if like there were a hundred people applied to this and we just got lucky with where the dart landed on the dartboard. Um, but, but take we the were, win and run. <laughs> yeah. We, we were picked. And when I applied for it, I don't think I'd really looked at the calendar to realize Gamma Expo is the same week as Buckeye Game Fest. Oh. I was already committed to Buckeye Game Fest. So now I'm going to end up driving to Columbus, fly to Reno, fly back to Columbus, do Buckeye Game Fest, and then drive home. Uh, so, so yeah, it's a it's a it's a convoluted week. Fortunately, work was very accommodating about giving me the extra days off to be able to do this. My boss actually thinks it's kind of cool. He, he thinks I must have done something special to get picked for this hosted media thing. I I think it's just dumb luck that they they pulled our name out of a hat and didn't realize it was me. So I think that's well, real- the only thing that I'm I'm uh, I, I wouldn't say hesitant or concerned about, but the the one thing that sticks with me with um, Littoral Commander is that it is actually a at minimum two player game. You know or multiplayer game uh although i will be mostly playing it solitaire and it'll, yeah i don't have a problem doing that because i'm not trying to win i'm i'm trying to experiment with different things and yeah. just play through different scenarios and see what happens here what happens there which is kind of the sandboxy part of it uh but it is a it is a really fun game and um i played it on vassal and when it was not even be- well before it was even going to be a commercial release so yeah. uh i really enjoyed it and i it there's a lot of things that make you think afterwards uh, with the with the cards, you know, what, what assets you're going to use, things like that. And I think there's uh, a lot to be said about and, and I really like cards used in that way where they they don't drive the game. They actually enhance the game. And that's that's what I like in a card game. I'm not I'm not a big card driven game fan generally, but um, and these are, it's not a card driven game. It's just that 
use those cards, like I said, for assets and things assets, like that, yeah. that really do uh, benefit you in the game. Well, the other thing I think it was Marine Commander there. then. What's huh? that? You, you've been playing it since it was Marine Commander before he... Yeah, it was FMF. Before yeah, back off on the name. Yeah, um, it was Fleet Marine Force yeah. is what it was originally. And then the, the Marine Corps told him, nope, you can't use that. I'm like, why? Why yeah, the, right. Why does the Corps not just take the win and, and take the take I the free advertising? <laughs> yeah. The uh, the other thing I don't think people quite realize about Littoral Commander is it's it's not today. It's like 15, 20 years in the future. So yeah, there it's at the 2030 that they're working through. Well, it's it's the, the past structure based on 2030, but it's it's assuming that that has already been fully implemented and integrated and trained. So you're yeah. you're another 10 to 15 years beyond that. So, so oh, yeah. 30 years in the future from today, which means there's going to be assets in that game that are are not currently fielded. Like a littoral fleet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, well, but, you know, individual Marine platoons with 20 sure. kilometer rocket ranges, you know? Yeah. So, so it is, there, there is a little bit of uh, futurism to it. I, sure. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting it on the table and seeing what the finished product looks like. Cause I did push around a physical copy of one of the, uh, one of the handmade ones at origins a couple of years ago, Sebastian had sent us one that we took with us in 2021 and, uh, and had that on the table there. We're pushing it around and experiment with it a little bit. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the finished product. Yeah. I'm happy for him that he got it uh, out there and it's good to be a commercial release i think it's really cool yep yep and we're depending on when it comes in either may or june we're planning on having it on the table at one of our war game days so we we have a monthly war game day over at gamers armory again they they sponsor us to to do those things so it's very nice of them um but we we get a war game crowd together we we've got plenty of local war gamers around here uh we just suck at getting organized <laughs> and so it's it's just a matter of trying to get us all in one place together. So first Sunday of each month, we all get together over at Gamers Armory and get a bunch of games on the table. Just tell them there's free cookies <laughs> or free whiskey. That'll get a cut. Well, I wish we could do whiskey in there. Uh, but but yeah. You can. Be- they just can't see it. <laughs> That's right. What, what's that in your coffee mug? Uh, coffee. coffee. <laughs> Canadian iced tea, as I always call it. I like, I, like, I like my Canadian whiskey. So Well, that's good because I like bourbon. There you go. I like so, bourbon too. The great cultural exchange. Yeah, there you go. That's the way it should be right there. That's right. <laughs> One other game uh, I didn't mention earlier that I'm looking forward to playing uh, when I go down to Hanford is uh, La Primogenita, the okay. King Kinger game on East Africa. Just yep. Kim, it's a Legion game. But Kim Kanger, I, I, I've played three or four of his games now and he like just every one i don't know kim kanger makes a banger every time i mean that guy is great Uh, and you know it's like he's he's doing a good old-fashioned hex encounter war games but coming up with new things to do new twists uh so and this one is no different this la La prevenginita has got a a completely completely unique uh, order system that i've never seen before so i can't i've only messed around with it solo on the table a bit i can't wait to actually play somebody and i've i've I've, uh i've got somebody lined up who wants to play it as well so it's definitely getting played did he do the art for that one too because he's like a one-man show he does everything he's a one-man yeah his art is fantastic uh like he should just be hired as an artist often but yeah he's one of those guys where because he does it all it all looks you're getting whatever came out of his brain right like yeah he's never feeling let down by his art because he <laughs> creates it all so, and same with you know uh, his play aids and everything like that like everything is um the way he would want it and he's 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 pretty great about um getting as much stuff onto the map as possible so that like there's just a, usually a single play that yeah. you don't have a bunch of stuff around the table it's uh and yeah, his and his maps are beautiful. He also does he does that great thing 
if you've played Nemesis, his game on Burma, uh, Burma, Nemesis 44, yeah, he does that great thing where instead of, for his supply trace, instead of counting back from the the hex that needs to be supplied back to the depot, you're actually trying to throw supply from the depot to the unit. Mm -hmm. So if that unit is in mountainous or uh jungle terrain or something with a high movement point you're not going to be able to get it into that hex because it you know it, it makes a big difference to switch the direction you're thinking yeah. of that supply line going and yeah. things like Probably that more realistic that way it's actually yeah. yeah that's actually the more realistic way of doing it then yeah i know where they're at i know where that town is it's right down there down at the bottom of the hill how are you gonna yeah. have that stuff up there <laughs> yeah. yeah you know he's smart about that stuff and it, and it makes a huge Supply always makes a big difference in his game. So, uh, yeah, if anybody hasn't checked out Kim Kanyer's Legion games, uh, I, I totally recommend them. His game on Dian Bian Fu is, is like, I don't think anybody needs to play any other game about Dian Bian Fu than <laughs> Kim Kanyer's because it's just like a masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Um, uh, the Wild Weasel. Um, yeah. He did a great, like, video a, a series on YouTube on that game. Uh, totally worth checking out. Yeah. Isn't that Bruce? Bruce Garrick, yeah. <laughs> Bruce Garrett, yeah, he, yeah. he he's a huge fan of that game. He did a, a great video on it, and uh, that's the one we missed the most is Wild Weasel podcast. We haven't heard that in a long time. Totally, and and I like I I DM him, I I email, I just like I don't even know him, but I just send him messages saying please come back to us. I well, think I messaged him a while back, and he says, "Yeah, I'm working on it." And that was uh, probably about a year or so ago, and I haven't I haven't seen anything from him I but think he's, also a, he's, he's actually he, like a brain surgeon or like he's yeah, like bruce is a, I, I think he's a heart surgeon yeah he, he's got a pretty you know i don't know i don't know what his spare time is like but i wish he had more of it for us well Dang. so I, bruce used to uh used to live right near me here he used to live over in chapel hill um because he was affiliated with the med school over there and uh and one of the guys who's a regular at our war game day is, is actually my cousin's husband and, and dave used to get together with bruce every now and then to play bruce has since moved to the west coast Coast. Um, but but part of it was a step up in his career. And so I, I think that's just cut into his available time to do. Yeah, because he's not even on Twitter. He hasn't been on Twitter. Literally anymore. anything else. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I, I think a, that's what screwed that up. I think he's in Portland. So maybe I can, maybe I'll just, on my way from Calgary to uh, California, I'll just find his house and stop in and give him a, like a, a face to place plea. Wow. Stalker much? <laughs> <laughs> He'll understand when he sees what it's all about. I guess that's what every stalker says, though. <laughs> so, uh, dear FBI, we did not condone or endorse this course. <laughs> you, you, you keep bringing up uh, heading down to GMT. So, the, the when is that trip coming up? Though, I mean, that that's literally it, it, I, in the I, next few weeks or so, right? Yeah, I think by the time this airs, I might already be there. Okay. I think it's the week the weekend of april 19th 20th whatever the yeah. weekend okay. days are on that week um, so, so maybe when you're monday and i only know that because that's the week of connections online also well if you go there that weekend you have to play the first game you should play that uh that weekend on 419 is something on lexington and concord mm. that so is the day that the, the shot was heard around the world so yeah. well uh maybe just in, in if i don't have anything else i'll take my uh, copy of uh, of uh, commands and colors tricorn with me and there you Go. Away we go. Love that uh, game as well. Problem solved. 
All right, so we, uh, we're we heading down to, to GMT here in the spring. As folks are listening to this, you'll either be there or or on your way back, probably. Uh, what what else, if anything else, do you have coming up for conventions for the rest of the year? You're going back to the, the fall one? or I don't know. I never thought I'd be going back to this one. I, I thought that when I went to the first one that uh, it was like a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and uh, I, I just lucked out. My uh, Well, here's a crazy story. This is what happened. My wife decided she wanted to go to this 10-day meditation retreat, and it was like, okay, honey, you go do that. But now I... I got some holidays coming up. This is going to be my 10 day meditation retreat. I'm going to drive down to California and play war games. And uh, so it was just sort of like, oh, we're, we're taking this little section of holidays not together. Well, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> there you go. Thank God You're for right. meditation. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know how close you are to any of them, but um, I mean, there is game on over in Seattle that, uh, that, that, get, that has a decent war game component to it. Adepticon is, is in suburban Chicago, but that's very minis heavy. That also just happened so it's uh oh, in vancouver there's uh Bodiscon, but i think that's just yeah. happened as well no Bodiscon is usually uh early november oh there you go so, well maybe i can so, make yeah, it you, that. you've got time to get to that one yeah um, and i just made i just made the acquaintance of brian train uh yep. recently and uh well great guy and he gets out to Bodiscon, so maybe i'll maybe i'll make the trip out there and uh if Brian i if i go flat there, out i can get to uh, vancouver in 10 hours yeah we, we've got two or three of our dragoons that live right around there also that are at, at least one of them specifically is involved in the organizing crew at Bados Khan. um and there's uh there's two or three others that are regular players or gms at Bados Khan. so there's there's a, a decent dragoon representation out there for that one <clears throat> so um one of these days we're going to get you on a plane and come down here and, and join us for some of the bigger ones here so well uh, uh, yeah, because then I get uh, Carolina barbecue as well, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. See, uh, it's just a matter of whether you want to be east or west of I ninety five for whether you've got vinegar versus tomato based. Uh, so. I'm going both sides. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Why not? So yeah. maybe um, my only time in Carolina. <laughs> Mo, you've got a Compass Expo, but are you doing the spring one or just the fall one? Probably just the fall one. I don't think I'm going to do the spring one and the the fall. Mm-hmm. At least I'm not planning on doing the spring at this point. I think we're going to be taking a trip in June. So uh, that'll probably interfere with that and maybe do something else in July because July is always the worst month because that's uh, both our birthdays, my wife and I, and then also our anniversary. So it's the worst month because we do everything in that one month. And then it always messes up my plans on trying to go to CSW uh, out in, you know, <laughs> August. So, uh, cause I use all my time off for that. So yeah, it'll probably be just, uh, the November show is what I'll do. And that's, that's pretty much it this year. It looks like at this point, don't you, uh, you, you've got a couple of Texas based conventions you could theoretically make it to. Well, there was the, there was going to be CSW Dallas, but that's, that's not going to happen this year, uh, that John Kranz does, uh, because of, I think, Part of it is uh, Compass Expo in May. Yeah. That would be just too much for him to do logistically. Do that, do the CSW Dallas, and then immediately, like a month later or a couple weeks later, even go and do the one in um, in uh, Connecticut. So that is out. Now, I, there's a couple others. I think there's one like in Houston or something, but. Um, I just, I've never gone down to it. Uh, so I'm pretty much, like I said, I usually just hit the November convention. Isn't, uh, isn't BGG con in Dallas? It is. Yeah. BGG is actually was the local convention to me. 
But uh, yeah, I just I don't go to BGG anymore. I but, used to. But it's BGG, so you're not gonna. <laughs> What's that? But it's BGG, so you're not going. Yeah, I mean, it's their primary focus is is you know just regular gaming, hobby gaming, euros, things like that. Uh, there is a war game presence there for sure, and uh, I've uh, played there before. Uh, but I'm just you know I. I'm not really into going to BGG anymore. I just so, want to stick with war game conventions. So there is Austin, Texas has war games con coming up the 23rd to 25th of June. That is the same weekend as the main weekend of origins. Uh-huh. That's, that's right down the street from you down in Austin. So that might be one worth, uh, worth ogling and checking out. Yeah. Um, so if you any SLer at all, Mo? No, I don't play SL. If, if when it comes to tactical, I'll play lock and load. Right. I just know there's a, a Texas has got a good ASL scene. Oh yeah, no, I, there's a lot of ASL people. There a lot of really hardcore ASL people. I know there's you know tournaments and things like that, but I avoid tournament play like the plague because I don't know. I just I'm I. It does not matter what the game is. I just think tournament play tends to bring out the rules lawyers and things like that, that I just rather avoid. I play for fun. Yeah. yeah I hear you. I'm with you. To- totally get it. So we, uh, yeah. we're, we're doing origins cause you know, the Dragoons run the war game HQ there. And we've just, as we're recording this, we've just released the schedule origins finally got it all approved. And, and so we've got 68, I think the total nice. events, a couple of those are war college seminars, but the, the vast majority of that is, is actual war games on tables. Um, we've got six sessions where we're Gary and, and, uh, and Lee, uh, so Ardwolf and then Lee was his co-GM last year when they set up Europa and ran it all weekend long. This year, they're going to set up at least the three main maps, the fourth, if we can fit it on the table for Compass Games Third World War. They're going to set the whole thing up and, and monster game their way through this thing nice. over the weekend. Um, we're doing the same thing we did last year for Europa. So we've got six sessions on the schedule at four hours each. And, and what's going to happen, they're going to play it as a rolling game. So if you're there to play in one four-hour session, the person that comes in after you is going to pick up where you left off. Yeah. So we can keep it going. If you really hate somebody, you can throw it in the first few, <laughs> few hours and say, here, this is now your mess. <laughs> well, 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 it's we don't get a lot of people that sit there and play in in more than maybe two of the six sessions through the whole time there. But what we did find last year with Europa that was kind of cool, uh, we had a lot of folks walking by going, hey, "What the hell is that? That looks cool!" and uh, and and would come back and join us for a session or so. And not just the old time folks that went, "Oh my god, that's great!" I don't remember, I don't ever remember seeing Monster Gaming at Origins for the last twenty years. Because um, it was funny because Gary would ask, "Well, hey, do you want to join us for a turn?" And and their answer was always, "Oh no, no, no! I've done enough of that in my life." <laughs> but, but well, like I said, if you go in there and blow it, you could just you know, as you walk away, somebody goes, "Who is that guy?" Just turn around and say, "My name's Burnside." Yeah, <laughs> but we uh we had more than a few twenty year olds pop in and play a play a session of Europa with the guys. Nice, uh, w- which was pretty neat. Um, we're we're gonna have a Latoral Commander session on there. We've got four sessions of Salerno forty three on the books, so we're uh we're, we're definitely getting some GMT stuff on the table. We've got Plains Indian Wars, um. Space Empires 4X. We've got some brief border wars. David Thompson will be there GMing the Undaunted mm-hmm. games. And we are going to have the new Battle of Britain game. Uh, so we're, <sighs> we're 
one there. Um, I'm jealous. <laughs> well, the, the song for war guys are going to be back. So we're going to have some of those. One of the cool things we're going to have this year is, is the first year they're doing stuff with us. The guys that do the Pico armor minis, the little three millimeter minis that you can nice. put like, a whole platoon on a counter. They've got a 3d terrain board of a bunch of the old Panzer blitz maps. So we're going to be <laughs> doing 3d Pico armor Panzer blitz on one of these table setups that uh, again, it's a minis thing. So we're going to like set it up on that table and leave it up all weekend, but we've got six or seven sessions of Pico armor set up, ready to go on this. Um, We've got one table that's just going to be Catastrophe Games running all weekend long. So uh, Tim and Chris and those guys are going to be, uh, uh, Taylor's going to be there, um, going to be running some of the stuff that's already in print, like Zermatt and Stonewall Uprising and Fall Blau. But they've also got some some testers or some ones that are still in development, like uh, Solder City, which uses the Zermatt mechanics, but, but is all urban. So they're going to have Solder City there. They're going to have a couple of others. True Command is going to be there, a couple of other things like that. Um, Fort Circles taking over one table so they're going to have a bunch of votes for women but also shores of tripoli and and uh and halls of montezuma and uh and jason matthews is going to be with those guys as well uh, doing some stuff so we've we've got a pretty solid mix um again last year we had 30 odd games spread over the the weekend this year we added three or four gms that came up to us last year and said hey we'd love to help so we said sure <laughs> we're not going to say no and uh and so we've got those guys added in as well now. So we, we've got a pretty robust program of stuff that we're going to be getting on tables at Origins. Um, again, by the time people are listening to this, we'll already be off to Buckeye Game Fest joining. Uh, so Gary's going to be there. Um, Blue Panther's going to be there actually uh, selling games as well as playing games. Players Aid guys will be broadcasting from there. Russ from Cardboard Conflicts is going to be there. So we're going to have a, a pretty good crowd at that one. Not going to make it to WBC, unfortunately, uh, or Gen Con. People keep asking about the uh, SD HisCon East that's coming up, going to be up in Newport. Um, I, I pushed back on that one because Harold had the... Uh, the the bad scheduling to schedule it is the same weekend as my anniversary. Oh, sorry, Harold. Like my wife, yeah. more than us. Um, I think it's sold out in like three days anyway. So oh, it's I'm not sure they need it that long. <laughs> it, it doesn't. It, I think they can. They're limited to forty or sixty participants or something like that, right? I, I think it's sixty, and it's because the facility doesn't hold much more than that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, look, it's a fantastic facility. I think it's really neat that they're going to be able to use the like the the library at the Naval War College. I think it's really awesome. Uh, but yeah, it's you're you're constrained in size. <laughs> The one that, that we might be able to get Grant to get on a plane to come to or, or Mo to hit the road and come out to in October, uh, this has been up on, on our site where, where we've had it announced and, and folks can see it. Uh, if you go hit Tuesday Newsday, we've also got it on the calendar now. Um, we do have our first Dragoons, Armchair Dragoons Fall Assembly, our inaugural in-person convention is coming up in October this year, where um, we're actually hosting it at Gamers Armory. The, the store is giving us about half the store, their game tables in the back that we're going to be set up on. And so it's the weekend of October 20, 21, 22, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They're actually opening Sunday to let us, opening early Sunday to let us get in there and, and get started a little early that day. We'll have the details and registration info up after I get back from Buckeye Game Fest, because I'm not going to rush to try and get it all done before that um but but we'll get registration open this summer we're, we're gonna have to cap it at about 40 people again similar to what sd hist east is dealing with there's only just only so much space we can yeah. we can take over in the store there uh but one of the things is gonna be kind of cool like we're in the store like play the game think it's kind of cool walk over to the rack and go buy it 
Um, so that, that'll be kind of fun. Um, but, but yeah, they're, they're setting up and giving us about half the store to do it. And, uh, and so we're going to try this. We're going to see how it goes. We've got a couple of tables set aside for some big monsters. So we'll probably put one big monster game up and leave it up all weekend. And the other one, we'll have a couple of big footprint games that we can like play in a day so we can set it up, play that day, tear it down, put a different one on there the next day. Um, but that's the plan. That's the plan. We'll, we'll see how it goes. So if y'all want to come join us now what we don't have is we don't have a deal relationship something with with a local hotel because we're not in the hotel like usually that's how you cut the deal with the hotel you use their banquet room we're not doing that because we're using the store so we, we've got the deals with the store instead so mo you're gonna come hang out with with us and with nate and whoever else out here and we will have to see because that's really close to uh that's like about three weeks away from um compass expo so i don't know if i can swing both it is yeah and that's that's one of the reasons why we put it where we did in the calendars we needed to stay away from veterans day weekend because there's a bunch of other conventions that happened then that that tend to suck up the war gamers between sd hist and and compass expo um there's also another non-war game specific convention here in the carolinas that we help support that happens that weekend out in charlotte and so we uh we needed to stay off of veterans day weekend the other thing is in september there is the the local minis club here here does their big convention i say big it's about 70 80 people which is big for a minis convention um and and so we wanted to make sure we had a good amount of separation from that also so we, yeah. we trying to aim for that sweet spot in between and uh and that that was the one we were able to, to work with the store to get. So so for folks that are interested, be watching the site sometime uh, mid to late May for for the initial information and when registration will be available and everything. Because we're going to be capping this thing at about forty attendees. The uh, now not counted in that total. <clears throat> It's going to sound like an overly advertising plug without really intending to. But remember that the folks that support our Patreon at the top level do get free admission to all of the events that we run. So this would be one of those. So, yeah. so those guys would be counted in that. Um, so, yeah, Mo, hit the road. Come visit. <laughs> Chance to see Nate face to face, too. There you go. Well, I've, I have seen him. Okay. We've, we've already hung out in WBC. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Him and the whole family. <laughs> He brought the whole family up there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they took cool. a whole road trip up there and uh, got to see uh, the wife, the kids, the whole nine yards. I got to wave at them all that time. We were we were both on the air with you from the store because mm-hmm. um, they, they all came when they dropped them off. So, um, so yeah, Grant, start looking at plane tickets. Uh, I don't yeah, think you uh, need from Calgary straight to here without having to change somewhere. But, uh, uh, you know, you can always fly to Chicago and get anywhere. Yes, yes. So usually to and from Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, but I, think, I wouldn't be surprised if we had a direct to Atlanta anyway, so that, that might be possible. I'm always surprised at, at the amount of direct flights there are. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it's good, good. And I've always wanted to come out. I've never been down to the southeast, so. We are... Uh... We're primarily expecting the core of the audience here to be folks that are within easy driving distance. So we're, we're expecting folks coming down from D.C., maybe up from Charlotte or, or Atlanta or the coastal areas. Some of the folks from Virginia Beach, Tidewater. I'm, I'm honestly not expecting folks coming down here from New York. Or, or coming in from Dallas. Mo, be awesome to see you, but I totally get it. It's it's a bit of a haul for just a weekend like that, um, especially folks that would have to get on a plane. So I totally understand that. Um, but again, this is the first time we're doing this. The, the question is, can we successfully pull off a small convention for a weekend? If we can do that, then we'll worry about what happens after that. <laughs> so, I think so. I think you could do it. I, I'm, I'm hopeful. 
I'm optimistic, uh, but I've also been around conventions long enough. <laughs> yeah, this is true. So, you know, I, I know what it takes just to pull off a virtual one, never mind an in-person one. Yeah. You're going to do another one of those? We are going to do the ACDC every uh, MLK weekend. Um, I know MLK weekend isn't really a thing in Canada, but it's that that middle weekend in January that is the MLK holiday here in the U.S. that we are planning on keeping a virtual convention on that weekend every year. Oh, um, uh, virtual conventions are great for folks like me that have to drive <laughs> so far to get to a real convention. They're out in the middle of nowhere. That's um, right. We are continuing our co-sponsorship of Connections Online that as people are listening to this, Connections Online will just be wrapping up. That is less of a game playing convention and more of a professional conference. That one's really focused uh, towards the professional military practitioner audience. But part of the point there is helping expose them to some of what the hobby game world has to offer them. Um, we've actually got Mo and Gary doing a show together. Um, uh, although as people are listening to this, they may have just done it last night. Um <laughs> For the uh, specifically for that audience, so this isn't going to be an openly publicly broadcast thing. You know, folks would have had to have registered for the the conference to to be a part of that. Um, so so those things we're going to continue to do in the the winter and spring. So you know, if if the in person convention becomes a thing, it'll be a fall thing. Is is what I would expect. Right. Yeah. That's cool. I, that's great. It would be it would be wonderful to have. Yeah. The, our goal the, is to the store. Yeah. Our our goal is to get so big we have to move out of the store. And and quite frankly, their plan is for us to get so big that we have to move out of the store because we're still going to bring people back to the store. But you know, oh, they, yeah, they, yeah. they want to support us. But uh, they're they're helping us get launched. And it's it's a fabulous thing that they're offering us that space to to be able to do this. So it's it's really cool. Very yeah. appreciative of them for that. So. Grant, what 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 did we not talk about that you wanted to talk about tonight? Uh, I think the other game I'm excited to play. It's not exactly a brand a new game, but it's kind of new to me. Is uh, uh, and it's from kind of an offbeat publisher. It's Verdun Steel Inferno. Okay. It's, a, it's I think it's an area movement game, block game with cards. Um, I ordered it. I think it's a European publisher. I I bought it a couple of years ago because I'd seen a lot of people raving about it. That who's who. I I thought, well, that, you know, Vocal loves that game. He seems to know a thing or two about games. Uh, Isn't that the one with a really bad cover? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. It's got the, it's got a kind of a garish, a lot of red on the cover. Yeah, that's the one. But the cards are fantastic. Like they have a real artist who did the cards. Nice. So the the cards are just beautiful. Um, But I've never, I've never managed to uh, play it yet. And uh, I've lined up uh, somebody to play it with me. So I can't wait to, yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. Exactly. Yeah, the um, the the audience can't see it. I just pulled it up on the screen here, but it's the the Verdun game from Fellowship of Simulations. It's the first. I'm going to get a chance to play that for the first time, and I just can't wait. Yeah, as you were describing it, I thought that was that was the the game you were describing. Yeah, that cover is you know very very red and uh, red and orange and yellow, but uh, (laughs) the components are great. The it's it's actually I don't even know if that it's blocks, but that it's the the core are just uses those little. uh, wood like the like the pieces that come in um napoleon's triumph the, those kind of yep. wood sticks that's i think the, the pieces are more like that but the cards are just gorgeous the board is uh, the board looks good yeah yeah little 
those ones are all on end because I think you put them on end before you use them, and then you, once a unit's been used, I think you you turn it on to its side. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a it's a, it's a cartoonist. Yeah, we're we're gonna drive the audio only audience nuts by telling them about yeah, the pictures right. we're looking at on, on the, uh, together. Uh, the gameplay is supposed to be fantastic, so I, I I look forward to this one as well. Yeah, yeah, um, it may be fun. So, um, Mo. What did what did we not talk about tonight that you wanted to talk about? Uh, I think we covered pretty much everything. The only thing that uh, I did mention, uh, looking forward to Aaron Armour this year, and one thing I will give a, a plug for is that Bruce and I will be getting together to do a series of videos for Aaron Armour. So it's not going to be just like one uh, video. We're going to do uh, bite-sized chunks trying to explain different parts of the game because it's a beefy rule book and uh it's going to be you know a lot of people may say well i can't i can't digest that but if it's fed in small chunks just like how do you eat the elephant bite at a time well this is the same way you're gonna have to take these videos uh one segment at a time and just cover little pieces here and there and then put them all together so that should be an interesting series yeah yeah sounds great you know it's it's funny because Bruce designed all these classic games that we all love from back in the eighties. Mm-hmm. You see Bruce on camera. Bruce doesn't look that old. Like, was he 19 when he was doing these designs <laughs> back in the eighties? Pretty much. <laughs> what the hell? And, and, and the other thing with Bruce, really nice dude. I, is Bruce like solar powered? Like does, does he wake up and like make espresso with Jolt Cola? That dude has a boundless amount of energy. I have no idea where it comes from. Well, I think one of the things uh, with Bruce is that he's got uh, boundless energy and also he has a real passion for the subjects that he designs and that that comes through when he's talking and that I think excites people more about the games and he has great, you know, he gives a lot of great support to the games as well. So that right there is a, is a big selling point to people going in going, you know what, I know that his game is going to be solid. I know that if I have a question, he's going to answer it. And he's always say, throwing out his email saying, Hey, if you've got a question, shoot me an email. And he's very approachable and he's just a, he's a really great guy. Yeah. He's just, he he's like jumping out of the screen every time we have him on the kind of show. He's just, I, I, I'm, I'm almost afraid to meet him in real life that I might get knocked <laughs> over in the whirlwind that follows him around. So, no, so great he, when, uh, when somebody's that approachable and so eager to help, as opposed to some guys who have a, some designers I've, I've, I've asked them a question on, on BGG or Consum World or whatever. And their response has been basically some version of read the rule book. <laughs> yeah. You know, I read the rule book. If I, if I'd understood it, I wouldn't have the question, man. <laughs> well, there are plenty of those people that have come up and it's like, how do I do this? It's like, did you read the rules? It's right on page two. You know, I mean, there are some dumb questions, but I, I think as long as you approach anyone with a legitimate question that shows, hey, I read the rules and I'm confused on this, you know, for whatever reason, could you clarify it for me? They'll That's how give I you tend a- to do it too, is I, I tend to, when I, you know, I'll write a question and I'll say, this is the rule I read on it. This is what it said. This is the other rule. I think. What am I missing? Where between the, what's I'm missing something in the gap here? Yeah. But yeah. you know, there's certain developers, and not so much designers, but developers that have just you know told me to read the rule book, and it's like I just well, yeah, well whatever. <laughs> But, you know, Bruce is uh, is a really good dude. He really is. He's a great guy. I love him. And uh, anytime we talk, uh, it's always a pleasure chatting with him. Um, and then we get on the phone. It's easily a two, three hour phone conversation because you and you don't even realize it. You're like, holy crap, we've been on the phone for three hours. It didn't even feel like that because the conversations are so interesting and fun. And, and he has that same energy and, and he's just a really engaging guy. Oh!
there are a handful of dudes in the wargaming world that if you ever end up on a phone call with them, you hang up and you just feel better about yourself after the phone call. He's one of them. Bruce is yeah. definitely one of them. And and I'll tell you that the, the one that I will always go to bat for, for a similar thing, David Heath from Lock and Load Publishing, yep. same way. Yeah. Anytime 100%. you have a call with Dave, you just, you, you get off the phone and you think, man, I feel better. I mean, <laughs> it just, it, it's not like he's a therapist or anything. It's just, you, you have good, genuine, great conversations with him. And uh, I, I feel like when he uh, had Matrix games yeah. that I, I probably put a few of his kids through college. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's when I met him was at Origins in 2005 when he was running Matrix games. I ended up freelancing for him for a little while while he was still at Matrix. Um, but yeah, I, I've known Dave for, I actually worked out of his booth in Gen Con in 06. Um, it was it was the last time I was at Gen Con for more than a day. And it was a blast. We had a great time. Um, loved hang, hanging out with the guy and, and the rest of the crew that we had there. Um we uh, we just had him on the podcast, so folks that are looking at back episodes, um, he was just on the podcast last week. He, he's he's a great dude to have around and and have conversations with. Um, but whether it's wargaming or anything else, it's it's always fun. My son was actually a booth minion for Dave for a couple of conventions when he was at Origins. Um, what Dave would do is he'd bring the designers, he'd bring a handful of designers out to do some design meetings and test some stuff with players and whatever. But the folks running the booth itself that were actually handling sales and unpacking boxes and everything, it was um, two of his three sons, the warehouse manager's son and my son. That was the crew. Was was a bunch of fourteen year olds, <laughs> and uh, and they had a blast. Time of their life. They they had a blast. They had a great time. So yeah. it was uh, it was a lot of fun. So um, audience, I hope you had a blast tonight. Look, this this wasn't a, a, a real in depth subject specific kind of conversation. We just wanted to get a couple other war gamers on and talk about what what we're playing now and what we're looking forward to and, and what's coming up and in, in the plans for the future. And I, I think we've successfully accomplished that in these ninety minutes or so. Um, so, Grant, thank you very much for taking the time to be here. Appreciate it. Always great to drop by. Thanks, Brent. And uh, and Mo, thanks for not having a hockey game tonight. Uh, yeah. Got one tomorrow, I think, though. <laughs> that, that was great. I, I will tell you, um, I, it, folks listening to the podcast are going to have no idea what I'm talking about. We ordered one of those hockey jerseys for my daughter for her birthday this summer. Nice. So nice. We have one. Um, my daughter is a huge Harry Potter fan. There was a... Uh, 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 Harry Potter themed jersey that Moe's hockey team did yep. uh, for for a theme night uh, a couple of months ago, and they still had some of the jerseys, and they're on sale because it's the end of the season. So we grabbed one of them for her for uh, for her birthday coming up this summer. Sweet, so, that's awesome. Uh, I'm hoping she digs it. And uh, and by the time folks see start seeing dragoons show up again, we're gonna have our dragoons hockey jerseys that we will be wandering around in. So they look uh, good. nice. I, I really hope they. I'm hoping they look as good as the the little jersey builder on the website made them look they're at my parents place right now i had them shipped to ohio so that i would have them there to give to the people that are at buckeye game fest that wanted me to just hand it to them there um the problem is that means i gotta wait another two weeks until i get my hooks (laughs) (laughs) so close and yet so far Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping that they are appropriate quality and, and as good looking as I want them to be. So nice. we'll, uh, we'll see, we'll see. I, uh, but when you see us this summer, you'll see a handful of dragoons running around in hockey jerseys. And, uh, so that'll be, that'll be fun. Um, audience, look, we're, we're almost done with the season. We got like two episodes left. One of them, we're going to be talking about origins. Uh, the other one, we, we were able to arrange an interview with the guys from the nations and cannons, uh, series setting. It, it's, it's been a role-playing game that's been published by by uh, the Indie Press Revolution folks, but they now also have a Kickstarter out for a 
a D&D 5th edition conversion of American Civil War, or not Civil War, I'm sorry, American War of Independence uh, role-playing. And and so they've had the role-playing game for a while. Now you also get to convert it to 5th to edition if you want. Uh, but the Nations and Canons guys are going to be stopping by to talk about the setting and the rules development and its evolution over the years. And so that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then we'll have our origins preview and close down the podcast for the spring as we go into summer convention and travel season. And then we'll pick it back up again in the fall. And we'll bring these two guys back at some point next fall to talk some more wargaming stuff. So, uh, audience, thanks a bunch, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of Mention and Dispatches. <laughs>